0: God is the precondition for the intelligibility of human experience. God is the precondition for the intelligibility of human experience. That is, God is there and everyone knows it. Both the believer and the unbeliever knows that God exists. God is there because he is not silent. And we know that from Romans 1.19 and other places, but Romans 1.19 are very... Important text for the knowledge of the Lord. For what can be known, Romans 1.19, for what can be known about God is plain to them, plain to everyone, plain to the unbeliever specifically, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, name, his, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. All peoples know that God is there because God is not silent. He has written his truth and his, uh, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, in creation. And the scholastics, both the medieval scholastics and the reformed scholastics, called this revelation natural law. As the canons do- The canons put it, natural light. It's the natural revelation of God revealed Written, God's authorship, written in the stars, inscribed on the heart. And the Belgic Confession, Article 2, says that we know God by two books. We know God by two books. The first is natural law, which is always before our eyes, as a most elegant book. And this elegant book is clear. We cannot make sense of life without God. He is the precondition for the intelligibility of human experience. God is absolute, and that's the point of Ecclesiastes, our text this morning, this afternoon, this evening, the point of Ecclesiastes 3.1, is God is absolute. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Everything and every matter has a season and a time. And the Hebrew word for season means predetermined or appointed. Who has predetermined and appointed the seasons? God. Elsewhere, Kohelet speaks of every matter having a time and judgment we cannot control. Who controls it? God. God's in control. All of time and every season is predetermined and controlled by God alone. That's what it means by under heaven. Everything under heaven is under God, all the seasons, all the times, controlled by an absolute sovereign God. God's sovereign hand determines all time and every event. He is the author and sustainer of creation. And he didn't have to create. He wanted to. Because our God gives. God gives, so God created He made in order to bless us with gifts of creation. And so Kohelet, the author of Ecclesiastes, says there is a time to be born. A time to be born because God gives life. A time to be born because God gives life. God created and it was good. And there has been a time to be born since God said it is not good that man should be alone. Ever since God said it is not good for man to be alone, there is a time to be born. And after the fall, there is also a time to be born again. Ever since God said, or ever since God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You see, we have always been God's workmanship from the beginning to the end. God gives creation and upholds it to give his elect eternal life. And that we know from the other book, God's holy and divine word. Two books, one story, all about God. Life is all about God. The reason for the cultural mandate, fill the earth. What's the reason for the cultural mandate? Fill the earth. That God might fill his church. What's the reason for common grace? God might extend saving grace to his church, that he might fill his church with his people, that he'd be worshiped and glorified. What's the reason for natural law? That his church might see the true law keeper, that God might fill his church and be worshiped and glorified. You see, common grace serves saving grace because God gives. God gives common good to all men. And God gives saving good to his people. God gives. He gives life, the time to be born, but God is also a God who takes away. And he is a God who takes away ever since Adam's sin. God never meant to take away. Because God gives. But since the fall, God takes. And so there is a time to die. Time to die. Now we like God gives. That's our favorite part. God gives. I like that part. We like that God said, let there be good. Let there be, and it was good. Let there be light, and it was good. Let there be, and it was good. We like the cultural mandate, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. You shall eat bread. All good gifts, common grace. And those are the good gifts that God gives after the fall. You see, after the fall, God gives good to even Adam, a sinner. We call it common grace. It's the doctrine of providence. It's the doctrine of God's beneficence. And so God gives all a time. He gives all a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to love. They're good times. God also takes away. God takes away, which is the doctrine of providence and justice. So God takes away from all, both believer and unbeliever. So after the fall, he says, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your husband shall rule over you. In pain you shall eat of it all. To dust you shall return. God gives blessings. God gives curses. So there is a time to die, a time to kill, a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to lose, a time for war. We don't want these times. But we do find them from time to time. We find them from time to time in a sin-stained world. So how do we live in a cursed world? How do we live in a sin-stained world? That's the question I want to answer this evening. I've used half of my sermon uh, to introduce uh, the subject matter or the thesis, which is a question this evening. How do we live in a cursed world? That's the question. How do Christians live when God takes away? I don't really have to tell you how to live when God gives. We almost do it naturally naturally. We waste his good gifts. No, i was kidding. <laughs> that's, what we not, that's what we should not do. So must we must learn what to do when God gives. We need the wisdom of Job. We need to know what to do when God gives. We need to know what to do when God takes away. We must, as Job reminds us, we must live like it's all from God. We must live like everything is from God, both the good and the bad, because it is. It is all from God. Verse 9 says, what gain has the worker from his toil? We have to do, Kohelet says. There is a time to work, a time to toil, but what difference does it make if God's in control? Verse 10, I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Kohelet is saying here that God is the principal doer of creation. He is the principal doer of creation and providence. He is the principal doer of all activities. And that's the point of Ecclesiastes 3. God does, God works, God makes, God gives, God takes away. That's what the text says. God gives, God works, God takes away. God made, God makes. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has made, God has done. God has made everything. God put everything into place. And God has done from the beginning. God caused, God causes, God causes everything. Verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken from it. God has done it. God is the great doer in Ecclesiastes because God is the great actor of creation and time. And all we can do as his creatures is received from the Creator. Verse 12, Kohelet says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. We are to receive God's work, and we work to enjoy the fruits of our labor, which is all a gift from God. Verse 13, Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's good gift to man. Even though man is a worker... We are workers, and we are called to work hard. It is clear by the end of the story that God is the real doer. God is the real giver. When God blesses, we enjoy those blessings with thanksgiving, and we give him all the glory due his name. When God gives, take that good gift and use it. That's what you do in a sinful, stained world. When you get something good, you realize that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven, and you use those good gifts, and you are thankful for the use of them. That's two, verse twenty I wrote it down. Verse twenty-four. Two twenty-four. Kohil had already said, he's already told us last week, there is nothing better for a person than, than, than than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toils. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one he pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. And that wisdom and knowledge and joy is to use his good gifts. It is wise. To use God's creation. Enjoy God's good gifts, his blessings, and enjoy them with thanksgiving. And give him all the glory due to his name. When God gives, take those good gifts. And Kohelet's not done taking God's good gifts. Verse 13 says, Also, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. In the face of mortality... Your time will end. You're all going to die. The end. No. Well, it will be the end. But until that end, Kohelet is telling you, there's nothing better for us than to take pleasure in our present activities. Take pleasure in your present activities. Luther, Martin Luther was asked one time, he was asked, if you knew the world ended tomorrow, what would you do? Luther responded, I'd plant a tree. I'd plant a tree. How do we live in a cursed world? We enjoy God's gifts. Yes, dear Christian, God wants you to enjoy His creation. He made it. He likes it. He wants you to use it, to take pleasure in it. And behind this is what we call the Calvinist work ethic. The Calvinist work ethic. We can all see God's business. That's what Quahela is saying. We can all see that God is, is the great worker. We see the handiwork of the Alpha architect and the omega finisher he creates and he makes all things and and we are in his image and as image bearers we are to do as god we are to work right image bearing means get busy image bearing means get to work and you work to have god works to have he created and it was good and so we work to have if you do not work you do not have right get to work Get busy. But then God worked to have and to what? Give. God gives. And so as image bearers, we work to have that we might give. It's not all about the having. The Christian life is also about the giving. We do the having, do some having. Enjoy the having. It's fun. I'm looking forward to vacation soon. I'm going to be doing some having. But in the meantime, we do some giving and we serve. Not when you're on vacation, though. Don't do the giving when you're on vacation. You'll have plenty of time to give off vacation. On vacation, do the having. (laughs) It's good for your soul. So how do we live in a sin-cursed world? We give. We work and we give. We work and we give to our families. We work, we give to the church. We work, we give to our neighbors. And God's absolute sovereignty means that all work is legitimate. You don't have to Christianize your job. You don't have to put Christianity all over your work. You have to work hard. Do a good job, be fair, be honest, and it's you being Christian in the workplace. You don't have to join the ministry to serve the Lord. I love Calvin when he talks about the ministry and serving the Lord, especially the Roman Catholic Church. He says, uh, mothers changing diapers, uh, serve the Lord more than the nuns up in the great, you know, cathedrals praying all day. Because the nuns up in the great cathedrals praying all day, they're doing nothing for no one. But the mother is serving the, the most needy neighbor she knows. So Calvin says the mother is more holy than the nuns. <laughs> you don't have to join the ministry and get ordained like we had this morning to serve the Lord. You serve the Lord in your vocation. It's your calling. Secular or sacred. It's from the Lord. Serve the Lord. Work hard. Put in a fair day's work, and the Lord is glorified. That's how you live in a cursed world. Work hard. And when you get from your hard work, and you will, and that's the genius, or that's the blessing all you young people have. Here's the, here's the wisdom for all you young people. Listen up. You're being born in a world, or not born. You're, you're being raised in a world where there's a terrible work ethic. All you got to do is put in half a day's good job, and you'll get, they'll see your good work, and you'll get promoted. How much more if you work really hard? If you work really hard, you're going to get promoted because guess what? Your neighbor isn't. So get to work. And when they, when they say, why do you work so hard? Be like, I'm a Calvinist. And say with us, you know, I'm a Calvinist. We work hard. And when you get, go and enjoy it. And when they're like, man, you really enjoy your work, say, I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> uh, work hard. Enjoy what you have. That's perhaps the best way to enjoy Perhaps the best way to enjoy what you have is not just the having, but probably the best way to enjoy what you have is in the giving. You see, love is the greatest blessing of all. Love your neighbor. And the fear of God. He said in verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing can be taken from it, for God has done it so that the people fear him. This is the fear of God's sovereignty. It is the recognition that God is God and you are not. You are limited. Human knowledge can only take you so far. And when the author says that God, everything God does endures forever, he's not saying that everything God literally does endures forever. Even this earth will not last forever. Kohelet means God is not confined by time. He's eternal. He is forever. The word endure in Hebrews means that he transcends time. And the verse ends, the chapter, or our pericope ends with verse 17, verse 15. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Now, that's a very complicated verse. What does it mean? I don't know. The end, no. I didn't really know it. I had to really search and ask others. And it means we must accept that God is holy. It means that we must accept that God is completely other. It means we don't know his ways. We don't know the secret things of God. All we got are two books. And read those two books, read Natural Law, and you learn that God is Almighty. But then read this book and you learn that God is Almighty, and you learn that He's also faithful. God is Almighty, He gives. and God is Almighty, He takes away, and God is faithful to the Christian. He gives for your good, and He takes away for your good. That's the second part,'s the hard part. To understand, he takes away for your good. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. How do we live in the sin-cursed world? We praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When the Lord gives, we enjoy it with prayer. And we wait patiently, lead a life of prayer When the Lord gives, prayer, thankfulness in prayer. That's the chief end of thankfulness, by the way, prayer. So how do we live in an absolute, or how do we live in a cursed world? We recognize that God is absolute, so we don't fear this world. We don't fear the pain. We don't fret over the darkness. We wait patiently in prayer. And when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't challenge God's word and God's ways. We accept them. We humbly accept that He takes away we submit to his goodness. We know his goodness will follow me all the days of my life. We recognize that we don't know the beginning from the end. We don't know the beginning from the end. We don't have absolute eternal knowledge. But we do know the end. We know that Christ is the end of righteousness to those who believe. And we know that Christ will in the end judge this earth in great terror. We know that in the end we will reign with him forever. So go ahead and live like it. Go ahead and live like a justified Christian because you are forever justified. And go ahead and live in his creation, living with thanksgiving and patience. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.